Father, I lift up to you my, my friend, Frank. I ask, Lord, that you would minister to him in a way that none of us can. I pray that you would touch him. I pray that he would know that you are there, as well as uh, Frank Kelly, who I know, Lord. I, I ask that you would do the same for him and for the family of Jeff, who recently passed away. I pray that there would be understanding and contentment and the salvation, Lord, for uh, Frank Kelly. I pray that you would ensure that that is the case. Bring to him someone who can clearly, lucidly give him the gospel. And I pray that he would be open and receptive to it. And Father, as we go through your word, please teach us more. Not only do we understand we have a need to minister to those who are perishing, but we have a need to be able to minister to anyone and give them your wisdom, train them up in the ways that they should go. Just help us, Lord, to also follow your truth. Embedded in our hearts and our minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> God is such a good God. He didn't want us to just bow down to him. He didn't create us in front of all of his glory where we would have no choice. He created us with Adam and Eve, our, being our great ancestors, and gave them a choice what to do. They chose the evil over the good. They chose to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than from the fruit of the tree of life. God gives us choices all the time. The choices we are faced with, for the most part, in our lives are glazed or maple bar. Which one do we choose? Or TV or movies? Or work or play? Or sleep or get up? When buying a car, it's either white or white. You know, you, you, you have these choices that are set before you. But then, that's on the lighter side. But on the heavier side, study the word or go play Candy Crush Saga. Candy Crush Saga or Fortnite. Now, if you don't know what those are, they're video games. But let's go back a little farther. How about Mist Riven and Revelation? If you're familiar with those, those are big, super hit video games. We make these choices what we are going to do. Oh, what about evil or good or righteousness or unrighteousness or obedience or disobedience or follow Christ no matter what or follow the world because it's easy? God lays before us these choices. We get to choose God does not come in and make us choose. That's what makes him God. He wanted a people that would worship him freely, that would not be forced to do so. He didn't want a bunch of robots. He wanted people that would say, I will freely follow you and give my life to you. And in the same context that we've been dealing with here in Matthew chapter 7, with the hypocritical judging, we have a choice. We have a choice to either judge in such a way where when we are at fault, we condemn somebody else for their same fault. Remember, it was talking about in the first five verses there, 
Why reach for the speck in your brother's eye when you have a beam or a log in your own eye? And he encourages us to make a proper judgment, make a proper choice not to do that. And namely, it's we need to clean up our lives before we judge the particular sin in the life of somebody else. Going on, he has this choice that's here, a choice to do something or not to do it. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, it seems like this is a non sequitur. Why is he talking about dogs and pigs when he was just talking about making a proper judgment that's not hypocritical? And Jesus does this all the time. Or I should say the Holy Spirit lined these things up in Scripture The way that he did that was for a reason. Well, first you want to look at this particular passage and you want to ask yourself, is it literal or figurative? Have you ever thrown something to a dog and the dog just still doesn't like you and maybe nips at you a little bit? As a little child, I was bit by a dog. It traumatized me. I can still remember the open wound on my hand and how bad it was for me at about three. I can still remember that. But a dog can certainly turn and can rip into you. Or what about a pig and pearls? Would you ever have a reason to give pearls to a pig? Now, you might imagine a little child. A little child has a little pot-belly pig that's about this big, and especially a little girl says, I want to put my pearls on you, and you put them on the little pig, and the little pig oinks and walks around and does its thing. So is he talking about actually putting pearls on pigs and giving to dogs what is sacred. And we have to kind of define the terms to figure out what is going on. Well, when it comes to dogs, do you think the dog is unclean or clean for the Jew? It's unclean. It even says it in scripture, not specifically a dog, but it talks about an animal that has a paw. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 27 says, of all the animals that walk on all fours, Those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. So that would include a bear, a raccoon, a dog. They all have paws. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 7 talks about a pig. It says, and the pig, though it has a split hoof completely divided, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat, or touch their carcasses, they are unclean for you. Is today National Bacon Day? It's either today or yesterday. I think that was National Bacon Day. I feel like going out and getting the slab of that stuff, cooking it up and crispy. Oh, it's, it's so tasty. But the Jews could not have that. Just as a side note, I'm going to tell you a little story. My son just told me this. He used to deliver pizza to this vegan And this vegan would always stiff him up in Lake Tahoe. And this one night, it was just blizzard conditions. It was terrible. And he's trying to make a living delivering this pizza in the midst of a blizzard. And every time he goes to this vegan who calls in, he never tips. And so my brother, he had confessed his sin to me. And he said, Dad, I took some bacon and I slid it underneath the tomato on the pizza. 
you know, and he, he just couldn't resist. And he loves bacon, but I know this vegan guy didn't do it. So anyhow, that's a little story going on. So this idea of paws and pigs or dogs and swine, these are unclean animals. And when it talks about that which is sacred, it talks about that which is holy or set apart or dedicated or hallowed to the Lord. Something that an individual, especially a Jew, would set apart like as a sacrifice, something like that. And remember, this is in the context in Matthew of the Jews being spoken to. Matthew wrote to the Jews so that they would understand what's going on. That's why he calls it the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of God because he didn't want to use the name or title of God because he reverences so much as was the habit of the Jews. And so there are those things which are sacred and those things which are worthless. So scripture is trying to, it is actually saying something and we're trying to understand what it says. Now in, in reference in the New Testament, there's only one case where, and one maybe alludes to it, but one case where uh, when referring to a dog, it's a literal dog. All the other times, it is figurative. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, he's talking about something literal, that if you have a small family, you don't have much to take the bread that belongs to the child and give it to a little puppy or a dog that's to the side. He says, that's not right. And she goes, yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their, their master's table. And you get the idea. It's a metaphor here. It, it's an allegory. It is not something that is literal. Then Jesus answered the woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. And it was the case back in the time of Jesus that Canaanites were considered unclean. They were considered like dogs, and they actually had that vernacular word for the unsaved, for those who are not part of the covenant people. They would refer to them as dogs or heathen or pagans. And so this is a case where that illustration is made. This is also repeated, the same story in Mark chapter 7, but then Philippians 3, 2, it says, watch out for those dogs. And then it says, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. And so there's a direct correlation to a man who is an unclean man, so to speak, being referred to as a dog. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 says the same thing. And in verse 15, it says, outside are the dogs those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So we're getting the idea that dogs being referred to in the New Testament times are really referring to those people who were unclean, those people who were evil, those people maybe who were pagans, those people who are to be avoided. Don't take that which is sacred and give it to somebody who is unclean, who is defiled. And Concerning a pig, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it reads, Of them, referring to false prophets, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in her mud. And so he's, not, he's using a real truth that is there, but he's not talking about 
dogs and pigs. He's talking about people. He's talking about the false prophets. So you have these, these parallelisms that are in there. Dogs who are unclean refers to people that are unclean. He's repeating it and said, pigs that are unclean refers to people who were unclean. And he gives this caveat at the end. He goes, if you do so, they may turn and tear you to pieces. So he says, do not give that which is sacred to those people which are unclean. And that requires even a little more clarity. Now, in the Old Testament, one more reference here. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 17, it says, Those who consecrate and purify themselves to go into the gardens, following the one in the midst of those who eat the flesh of pigs and rats and other abominable things, they will meet their end together, declares the Lord. And he's talking about the wicked people of the time that they eat rat, they eat pig, they eat other abominable things, and he's saying they are wicked already. They just participate in doing this. Now, there are people out there who are hostile to the gospel. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever found that people are like comedians of today? Some of the comedians today, they are not just disagreeable when it comes to the gospel of Christ or the message that he has, but they are antagonistic and hostile. One such person, and I'll I'll even name their name, Sarah Silverman. Now, I've got to warn you, if you look her up about what she has said about Christ, you will be offended. This is one quote of hers. And she was talking about who killed Jesus. And she said, well, it was the Jews, but the Jews try to pass it off on the Romans. And then she made a comment about blacks doing it. And then she goes on and says, I hope the Jews did kill Jesus. I'd do it again in a second. And that's Sarah Silverman who's out there. There are other comedians, quote-unquote, who go out and say things just as bad. And by the way, this isn't the worst thing she has ever said. There are many other things worse. So what would you not give to her? Would you not give to her something that is sacred? For instance, we have communion here this morning. Would you invite her to communion? I would not invite her to communion. What about the gospel? We're to take the gospel to everybody. What if the person is just so down on Christ they don't want to hear it? Well, you have to use discernment because the gospel is certainly sacred. And to those who are open, who want to hear it, we give it to them. And we give it to them freely. And we need to know how to do that. But those who are antagonistic, who have just said, I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from your Christ. I don't want to follow that. And they will end up saying things like, I'd rather rot in hell and be alone than be with your Jesus that you are proclaiming. In that case, you wouldn't give anything to that individual unless they were thirsty. You'd give them water. If she wanted food, I would give her food. If there was any other thing that I could do for her or anybody else who is hostile to the gospel, I'm supposed to even lay down my life. That's the greatest love that we would all have. But the things that are sacred are supposed to be for the Lord, and we're not supposed to mix them or give them to the world. Otherwise, we can be torn apart, so to speak. There's an example giving, or given that is something that is sacred that has been given to dogs or swine. There is this writing that was in the first century called the Didica. And you can look it up. It's supposed to be the teachings of the 12 apostles. 
and they would give instruction on what to do. For instance, if you were a traveling evangelist and you went to a particular town and there were Christians in that town there to put you up for three days and no more. And then they were to send you on your way. You were to be trusting in the Lord for your sustenance. You weren't to come in and camp out in somebody's house. And you could ask to stay and they should open their door and they should practice hospitality. And that's what hospitality was back then. But concerning communion, for instance, this was written down in the Didache. Let no one eat or drink of your Eucharist, which is communion, except those baptized into the name of the Lord. For as regards this, the Lord has said, Give not that which is holy unto dogs. So the Didache would say, do not give communion to those who are unbelievers. And if there were unbelievers in here, I'd say, well, you probably shouldn't take communion. That is something that is holy. Of course, it's contingent upon the individual to make the choice. And I can't say, you're not saved. How dare you? And rip the communion out of there. Come on, it's, it's not my problem, it's their problem, it's their issue. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about communion, that there were some who took it in an unworthy manner, and because of that they have fallen asleep, or in other words, they had died because of the attitudes of their hearts, that type of thing. And that would happen, maybe not on a regular basis, but, basis, but semi-frequently, remember Ananias and Sapphira, they lied, and so they were killed as well by the Lord, the direct hand of the Lord. So again, the verse says in verse 6, Matthew chapter 7, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, in the context of what is going on here, even going back into Matthew chapter 6, we want to make sure we interpret this correctly. He gives us a choice. You can store up for yourselves treasures on earth or treasures in heaven. Which one do you want to do? Remember, this whole thing is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Then there are those who can be enlightened, and the eye is the lamp of the body, and if their lamp is their eye, they are totally seeing light on the inside. But if their eyes are darkened, then great is the darkness on the inside. You can choose to have that light, or you can choose to reject it. You can't love both God and money. And you get a choice. You can love money, or you can love God. Pagans worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear, but believers should never worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear. Which are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to worry or are you going to choose to not worry? Are you going to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness or are you going to seek it second, third, or fourth? It's a choice for us. Do not judge in a hypocritical fashion. God gives us a choice that we just read in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And so do not give to those who are hostile to the faith that which is holy or sacred. It might actually be harmful to us. And that ridicule can come back on us, especially back in that day and age. If you gave something that was sacred to those people in a position of authority, if it was the gospel, it may not bode well for you. And actually it turned out to be something of a bit of a persecution for the church, right? And so the the church itself, we want to make sure that it, survives by the grace of god it survives but we don't want to be uneducated we don't want to act stupidly we don't want to put the lord to the test and give that which is sacred to those who are evil now going on in verse 7 it says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open to you and the way that this phrase in verse 7 is given it's given in the aorist imperative which means ask please ask 
ask again, and never stop asking. So if you're not getting something from the Lord, how much are you supposed to ask? Repeatedly. Just keep on asking. Now, it, it, Scripture does qualify that. If you're asking with wrong motives to heap it upon yourself, do you think you're going to get it? You're not going to get it. But if you're asking according to the, God's will, are you going to get it? You have a promise. You will actually get what you ask for if it is in God's will. If you don't ask, you never get it. But if you ask, Lord says, I'm happy you asked. I was waiting for you to ask and hear. But I wanted you to ask several times just to make sure that you kept with the program. And so that's how God works. He spells it out. Now, are you going to ask or are you not going to ask? God says, ask. Now, what is it you want from God? Do you want long life? You can ask for long life. If it's in God's will, you'll get long life, 70 or 80 years if you're strong. You might even get a few more. He might bring to fruition long life in your existence. And that would be great. What if it was health? Lord, give me health. If it's in the Lord's will, guess what? You're going to be healthy. If it's not, if it's your time, guess what? You can ask all you want to and it's not going to happen. But he says, if you want it, you have to ask, ask, ask. What about wisdom? How many times do you have to ask for wisdom? God says in the book of James that if you, any man lacks wisdom, let, his, let him ask and God will freely give it. It's, it. it's almost like Jesus is sitting on the throne and I ask for wisdom and he goes, oh, Bill just asked for wisdom. Move it, Michael. Go give it. Or Gabriel or whoever you want to say, go give it to him right now. Or God just gives it to me or to you just because you ask. But you have not because you ask not. Most of the time, we don't even ask for the things that God could give us. Would you like to ask for a heart of prayer? Now, see, some people would say, well, yeah, I think I'd like that, but that means I have to spend a lot of time praying. And I don't know if I want to give all that time praying. Maybe I want to do something else. Well, then you're kind of double-minded. Lord, I know I'm supposed to pray this, but, uh, you know, I'm asking for the gift of prayer, but, you know, I really don't want it. But I'm asking it because, you know, it's the right thing to have. You're not supposed to ask like that either. Well, what about the gifts that the Lord has for us? I'm going to get into that in a minute here, but going on in verse 9, which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Your little son comes up to you and says, Daddy, can some bread? You go, sure, son. And you pull out this rock, a little bit of granite, and go, <laughs> like, are you going to do that to your little kid? Of course not. You're not going to do that. And God is a better father than we are. He's going to pull out this nice potato bread that just came out of the oven. Oh, and you smell that. And you break off a piece and you give it to a little tyke and go, oh, and he starts munching on it, a little crumb cruncher. You know, it's all good. And the father treats us like that as well. He goes on to say, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So this idea of asking God, we're to be astute or wise in our asking, we're to ask for wisdom, and we're to be assured that what we ask for, we're going to receive it. It's according to the Lord's will. Now remember I talked about the guy who asked for wisdom and doubts. James chapter 1 verse 5 it says. If any of you lacks wisdom. He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. He doesn't turn to you and say. Well you know. You didn't attend church last week. 
or you didn't give enough, or you didn't go to study, or whatever the case. He doesn't find fault. He just goes, okay, you got it. You got the wisdom, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Now, when it talks about the giving of gifts, God has gifts for us. Well, what kind of gifts would he give us? He'd give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives with us when we get saved. There's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then there's also ministerial gifts. Now, all of us, and I've talked about this, and I'll probably give the test in the men's, but all of us have a gift, at least one. Several of us will have a couple of gifts. And the lists that are given in Scripture, I don't believe, are exhaustive. There can be gifts on top of that. For instance, in the New Testament, it does not talk about the gift of craftsmanship, but in the book of Exodus, it does talk about the gift of craftsmanship. That then when they are building the temple and the tabernacle, that like Aholiab was one guy, that he had the ability with the hand-eye coordination to build wonderful things and make tapestries and make the, the garments for the priest, all of that. He was gifted in that. And that was a supernatural gift, the gift of craftsmanship, those people who can work with their hands. And scripture tells us in three different places about these New Testament gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those are actually gifts. Would you like to be an apostle? that I don't believe apostles are for today. There are certain requirements for apostles. For instance, miracles must follow them. Do you know anybody who's done a miracle lately that calls himself an apostle? And they say, well, a miracle, somebody got saved. No, that's not a miracle. A miracle like raising the dead or calling fire from down from heaven or splitting the water in your pool and walking across. Something like that would be the sign that follows an apostle. But what about a prophet? Are there prophets today? Well, the gift of prophet uh, of the office of prophet has not ceased because there are two prophets that come in the book of Revelation. And so I don't think that there's a startup, a stop, and then a startup again. So there could be prophets today, especially people with the gift of prophecy, declaring the words of the Lord to us. What about evangelists? Are there evangelists today? Yes, Mike McIntosh. Just got an email from Mike McIntosh. He is an evangelist par excellence. There are other evangelists like Greg Laurie. Like uh, Billy Graham, all of these guys have the gift of evangelism. But then there's pastor-teacher, those who pastor the flock, who also teach the flock. That is a gift. These are called ministerial gifts that are given to the people. Do you want to be a pastor or a teacher? Ask. You never know what you might receive. And if you're going, oh, no, I, I don't want to be a pastor. No way, no how. You know, if the Lord puts it on your heart, you just say, yeah, Lord, If this is your will, I'll take it. And you keep asking. And if he wants to give it to you, you will surely have it. Well, what about Romans? Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read to you the list in here. It goes from verses 6 to 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, then let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. If you don't have one of those gifts and you want one of those gifts, ask for it and the Lord may give it to you. 
And if he gives it to you and you find yourself operating in that gift, like the gift of encouragement. Now, the gift of encouragement, you have to have a little bit of knowledge. You have to know the scripture a little bit. And if you train yourself in that, the Lord may come along and say, I've been waiting for you to do that. And if you just get that Bible under your belt, I said that day he does that, I'm going to go and give him the gift of encouragement. And then you go around and everybody in the church go, how are you doing today? You look good. And it's not flattery. Really, you look good. I want to encourage you. Let's go to the Bible study together. That's great. I'll even come pick you up. And you're encouraging the person and when they have a trial. You say, don't worry about it. The Lord has something in mind for you. Remember Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So you should be happy. This is working for your benefit. I know it's a hard trial at the time, but trust me, the Lord's going to bring you through this. And you're being the encourager. And when you do that, you walk away going, I feel good. And you walk away and you just, you know you did the will of the Lord and that fills you full of joy when you're operating in your gift. If you have a gift and you're not working in it, if you're not operating inside your gift, those are some of the most miserable baptized and lemon juice Christians I've ever seen. No, I'm not going to do that. You know those people. Church would be great if it wasn't for them. You know, and you come to church and there's difficulty and the Lord says, Come on, get beyond yourself. Look at the way Christ served. He had these 12, you know, I would be one of them like a nitwit. I went, I, what is it talking about? Yeast? Bread? We didn't bring enough bread. Right? He's not talking about bread. He's talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, the teaching of the Pharisees. Dim-witted people, you know, I'm just right up there with these guys. Of course, I'm not up on their level, but it's this idea that, we're all just blow-its, and God wants to use the blow-its. I can't imagine. You know, how do we get somebody for a job? Well, your resume, oh, you have a four-year degree. You've gone on for a master's. Oh, and you're even a PhD. Well, you're the man for the job. And God goes, no, I want a fisherman, a smelly old guy that gets out there and throws the net out and complains all the time and is a little overzealous and just makes a mistake. He's kind of like a facepalm friend, right? Oh. When he'd look at his disciples, really? Oy vey. You know, and he would use these guys. God wants to use you in the same way. But you have to ask, well, what about the other gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. They had a choice. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To the other, gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and give them, and the Spirit gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, he will give gifts. He'll just bestow them to people even if they don't ask. Apostle Paul. He became an apostle because the Lord said, you're going to be an apostle. That's it. No arguing. You're an apostle. He can do that. He's God. But which gift do you desire? Which one? You should pick one and you should start to 
operate in that gift you think you want. You will find out if it's your gift. And when you start with your gift, you're going to stumble. You're going to fall. That's why Paul told Timothy, after the laying on of hands, and he was given a gift by the laying on of hands, both him and the elders, he said, fan it into flame. Now, you know a flame when it starts, you, you rub the stick together or you light the match or whatever you got to. Is it cold in here? I'm, I'm feeling a little chilly. Could, yes. Could you bump it up one degree? Thank you. So the, the, this idea that this gift would be in operation and we don't quite know how to do it, as time goes by, you get better and better and better. And that's what God wants. So that by the time you have lived your life, you have operated in your gift. And once you've gotten to that point, that zenith, he goes, okay, time to go home. You have been prepared for the next life. This is our training ground. God wants you to use your gifts. If you don't know what your gift is, just reach out and start. And you go, well, where might that be? Try witnessing. Megan's over there. You see Megan? Megan, raise your hand. Okay, there's Megan. She goes to Parkway Plaza. She goes to the beach, Mission Beach. She goes to Plaza Bonita. Where else? Fashion Valley. And people are walking by, and, you know, they're walking down this way. And she goes, excuse me, would you like to take the good person test? And then the person goes, well, I don't know. And she goes, do you think you're a good person? Would you like to know? And she gives them the good person test, which leads to the gospel, and she gives the gospel. And she gets all done with that, and she goes, that was so fun. You know, that's how she does it. (laughs) And, And she enjoys doing it, and that's one of her gifts. She goes out and she gives the gospel, and there's several people that do that with her. And if you've never done that before, it's kind of exciting, especially when someone says, yeah, I think, I think I'd like to pray. And on the inside, you're just filled with joy when the gift and its operation comes to fruition. When you have the gift of encouragement and you're able to encourage somebody who is really down and they say, you know, thank you for that encouragement. I I have a different perspective now. You walk away going, thank you, Lord, for using me. If it's the gift of teaching and you impart wisdom to somebody and they get that wisdom, you have performed the task that the Lord has in store for you. And this joy comes up from the inside. But if you say, you know, I get rejected when I operate in the gift of evangelism. And when I serve, you know, I clean the church and the people just mess up the bathroom. And it's just, why do I even do it out there? It's just wasting my time. And then the sourness sets in. Or if you teach somebody and, and then you find out, well, they're not putting it into practice. What am I supposed to? I'm just talking to the air. I might as well just be talking to the wall. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to proclaim the word of God. And where it settles and it takes root, it will bring that fruit. And you may not know that person for more than six months. And they take off. And you find out years later, wow, they're a pastor somewhere. You know, just serving the Lord. So the Lord wants us to use our gift. Is it hard to use your gift? Yes. Will you be discouraged? Absolutely. Will you find that it's a trial a lot of the time? Yes, it will be. But when you get to heaven, remember Jesus is there. His hands are stretched out to you. He says, well done, the good and faithful servant. Gives you this big hug. You start glowing and go, oh, you 
get this new body. It's just wonderful. It's going to be fantastic. And all for a momentary and light suffering that we endure here. So the Lord says, you want something? Ask. You ask, keep asking, then ask again, and don't stop asking. It's kind of like that knock that just keeps coming at your door. Have you ever had some obnoxious person at your door? Like that? Tarnate. And they keep on knocking. What on earth is And you go to the door and it's some big gift. It was UPS delivering it to you. And you go, oh, this is great. You, you get the picture here. Ask for the gift. Use the gift. Use it with all your might. Lord says, whatever you choose to do with your right hand, do it with all your might. And your right hand was a symbol of strength. Get out there and do it. Don't shrink back. Don't put your hand to the plow and then look back and say, it was so much easier back then. God says the person that puts his hand to the plow and looks back and says, I I liked it better back there, is not fit for the kingdom. You know somebody in Scripture that looked back. Old Testament. Lot's wife. What happened to her? A little salty, right? She she turned into this pillar of salt because she was kind of craving what was in Sodom. And the Lord says, no, don't do that. Just keep your eyes focused. Just like ladies, when you're pregnant, giving birth to a child, the heat pant, (laughs) focal point, you keep your eyes on the kingdom going forward. That's a good place to end. I, I will end up going into the golden rule. But what we're going to do now is we're going to receive communion. And of course, um, I'm going to have Eric come up and pray, uh, for the communion. But just to let you know, this is something that is sacred that we do. We do it so often sometimes, and there are churches that do it every single week, and it becomes just old hat, like worship songs. Some worship songs become like, yeah, oh, this one again, you know, and we look at it that way. But these things, even the songs we sing or the communion we receive, they are sacred This is a sacred act, just like being baptized is a sacred act. We are setting ourselves apart for the Lord. We are declaring that our lives are hallowed for him, sanctified for him. We are taking this in recognition that Jesus was the one who saved us from our sin, that he is the bread of life, that his blood washes our sins and makes us white as snow. So the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing a song and we're just going to reconfirm the greatness of God and the goodness that he has shown to us in giving us this communion. So uh, the people can come forward and grab this and just hold on to both elements until we can participate in receiving it together, please.